0: this one is going to be one of the hardest ones that I have to do. And this is only part one. Then there's going to be part two. Let's see. One, two, three, four. six paragraphs let me do this
1: Killbox Studios yeah what up pressure representing my homie DJ Miss Hoodie what's good the girl get a grind on man for real check it Queens in the building stand up Tell me, have you seen her? Who stepped in the arena? Miss Hoodie serving, he crossed the net like Serena. And everything she played is great. So let the haters hate. Virus her to they database, scrambling they data rate. Plus I got your back like scoliosis Pressure got the antidote Be careful of the dosage The girl is everywhere, yup Every known geography Plus she get a swerve on with zero toxicology The hottest beat Hoodie and pressure in the building Of course the competition's man. We meant to hurt your feelings We see through all the politics The truth is so revealing We underground as hell You hear us banging on the ceiling Queens representative Arizona resident Call up a detective Truth is in the evidence and evidently present Is a force that makes you hesitant Miss Hoodie's red light is on destruction
0: Uh, I am so disappointed right now because I tried to go back to my calendar online last year of this month in November. 2018 to find the exact date of when she passed away. And I'm sure I have it in my other planners, but I'm recording this right now and I really don't want to stop. I want this shit to be raw and as real as possible. What's up, everyone? It is your girl, Audrey Alquainva, getting at you guys on November 4th, 2019. And you're listening to the Y Run Podcast. This podcast is called Mothers and Our Families Part One. In this podcast, I'm going to be talking about my grandmother. Her name is Sarah. She is my dad's mother. She was a mother of seven boys and seven girls. And I'm just going to read what I wrote about her a few days after she passed away. You guys will hear my thoughts, how I viewed her, how my family viewed her, the things she's shown me, the things she has shown the family, things that she has shown the Hopi community What she's shown the village and what she truly represents as a true, devoted, Hopi lady. This post I wrote was on November 8th. 2018 six paragraphs so listen up here we go yesterday was the last day I would ever have a grandma and this post would express how much I loved her and it does the only way I can express my love for her is to talk about how I saw and realized how badly she's been mistreated throughout her life. She was a kind soul who did whatever it took to raise 7 girls and 7 boys on her own. To start, I could go on and on about how fucked up her husband has treated her and their 14 children. And I believe the people in the village were just as shitty then as they are now. I could hear them peering out their windows at my pregnant grandmother with, let's say, her ninth child. In the Hopi language along the lines of, damn, she's pregnant again? Or seeing her struggle on her own without her husband there to fully provide for a full house he's created with her. I guess I would have said the same things. I would have said, damn, he does nothing for her and she still continues to have children for him. No matter our fucked up thoughts about certain people, we have to look at how they are as a person deep down inside. I'm sure for her, it may, no, never mind how many children she had, she must have had a lot of love for them. She may not have expressed it, but I believe she expressed it by taking actual care of them by selling baked goods to anyone in any place that would buy them. I can only imagine her in her 20s and 30s doing this, or having her children going down to the cliffs and going through all the canned spam, cheese, and powdered milks that our people were too embarrassed to use and threw away. I could feel her relief that she felt knowing and seeing that she can make something out of that so all her children wouldn't starve. All the clothes she had hand-washed, curing sicknesses, cooking, cleaning, baking, not to mention all the participating in the village for all the ceremonies, preparing, the praying, the motions, the dancing, the respect and all the will to keep doing it, and doing it year after year day after day and I'd hate to say her last few years were pretty shitty she deserved better the last things that she shouldn't have had to deal with or worry about happened by the many hands of her own family her children's children grandchildren and great-grandchildren all played their part of disrespecting her They all turned to addictions, being money hungry, taking advantage of her, her money, her house, elderly abuse, putting their children on her to watch and babysit when she should have been done raising kids, leaving her with no food to eat while they went to work, leaving her with no food in her refrigerator. I know I was never there for her in my 20s, but when I really began living there I visited her and discovered her in these conditions. I began bringing her fruit and veggie smoothies, protein shakes, mashed potatoes, and spam. She was always hungry. She never put the blame on anyone, but it was clear to me of who her caretakers were and they weren't there for her like they should have been. There was a time when I truly believed I was going to grow old just like her. I believe I would have been just as alone as her alone but strong even though she had a huge family i could see it in her eyes she was alone she brought me happiness because my dad looks just like her living four hours away from my dad looking at her was like looking at my dad she told stories just like my dad when it was just me and her sitting by the window next to the stove i rubbed her hands as she told me stories of when she was a little girl She said she ripped her dress trespassing from when she used to steal eggs and chickens. She had such a huge smile and giggled about it. I could see her going back to those moments in time. Me being a person of medicine, she was the oldest person who believed in me. She came to me and trusted me with her troubles. I did what I could to help her. But it was impossible for her to heal the right way with all the negative people running in and out of her house every day. They all should have showed her what she bled and sweated for. All I heard of what came out of family's mouths were, Oh, she's so grumpy. She's always mad. You can't say nothing to her. It sounded more like they were talking about themselves. When I heard in-laws talk about her, they had the nerve to say the same things. When I checked them and put them in their place, they got mad. They had no respect and no right to speak of her with their improper ways of how they took care of her. So really, those people shouldn't have been there in her house. It's been unfair for her her whole life, but with all the respect and belief she had in being Hopi and doing what she could as a Hopi woman, She did it as a strong Hopi lady. I could have not done all the things that she's done. It goes way beyond taking care of 14 children, but living the Hopi way as it should have been lived. She did everything and she's done everything right. No one can really say anything bad about her or towards the life she lived. I knew she cared about me. I knew she thought about me. The last thing she said to me was, "'Poor granddaughter, you live all by yourself in that big house.'" I walked to her, held her hand, and told her I was okay. "'You too, Su'o. You're always by yourself, too.'" She closed her eyes to sleep and I kissed her. The last time I saw her, she was sleeping by the window. The room was empty. I brought her pink roses in a jar and placed them next to her on the windowsill. I wanted to kiss her, but I didn't want to wake her. I touched her hand and took one last look at her before walking out the door. That was the last time I saw her. That was my last goodbye. So... Let's reevaluate, and we must. So let's address my grandfather, her husband. He was fucked up. I only remember meeting him one time, and I believe I was around seven years old. I was scared of him, and I think it was because that was like my first and last time I believe I've ever seen him. But when he seen me, he was sitting at the breakfast table, and mind you, it was like, their house has always been crowded with people especially like during ceremonies and stuff so we all used to sit on benches (laughs) and um he was one of the chiefs in the village so he had a very very big responsibility he motioned me to come sit next to him I hesitated and you know he patted the bench like come sit next to me you know I don't remember him after that he actually passed away on my 13th birthday so I don't really remember him um, but Of course, you know, you hear stories and all of that stuff. People having their own, you know, stories of him and the things that he said and how he was and things like that. But when I say that my grandfather was fucked up is because... (sighs) I believe he was really never there for my grandmother. You know, as many times as I've been to that house growing up, I've never seen him. My dad has told us that when he was a boy, maybe like, yeah, like five to seven years old, he used to wake and shake up my dad from sleep. And he would force my dad to go with him to work. My dad said that he used to cry walking out the door after my grandfather because he didn't want to work. You know, he just forced my dad. And the thing that I asked my dad was, well, what about your other brothers? You know, what about my other uncles? And he was like, it was just only me, you know. And that, I just kind of wondered why that was, you know. Um, Another thing that, I guess this one, this part was a good thing. Um, My granddad was a runner. So all, you know, my dad and his siblings, like they were all runners. So, I mean, that was like a good thing. Um, I heard stories that my grandfather was like one of the best hunters in the village. Um, He used to run like miles and miles and miles to gather up horses. And he would bring back like a shit ton of horses back to the village. And everyone would have their pick of the horse. Um, When it came to hunting... He would take like a a roar, and he would like just when he saw a rabbit, he would just fling it like he would just throw it. And he had different ways, different techniques. You know, if you wanted the rabbit's head cut off, he would throw it a certain way and boom, you know, um, or, you know, knock it out or, you know, something like he was a pro at the shit. He was the one that people went to. And when he went hunting by himself, he used to come home with, like, a few horses with a shit ton of rabbits just tied on these horses. He would bring them up to the village, and everybody was waiting. He would cut the rope, and all the rabbits would just fall on the ground, and everyone would just run and pick up their rabbits, you know, like. To me, it's, you know, me as an individual is very greedy of my people. It's like, where are all your husbands? How come they're not out, you know, killing rabbits for you? You know, like, why does it have to be him? You know, why is it? I mean, yeah, I I don't know. Like, that, that really, like, pisses me off. But, you know. Um, I don't know what my grandmother felt, you know, if it was my husband catching rabbits for all these other women, it would make me mad. (laughs) Like, let's just be real. Um, but I know in my culture, they always say that you look out for one another. So I, I mean, my grandfather was chief. He always lived by Hopi rule. That's why I suppose he was actually doing what he was supposed to do. You know what I mean? So that I just, I, I really have to let go. You know, I can't can't really be mad. Um, but I just see that as him taking care of other families more than taking care of his own family. That's the part that gets me upset um i heard that he never ate at their house because all they could have to eat was the same stuff every single day every single meal and that was like rice beans and bread there was like no meat Um, I'm sure they had like vegetables But I mean You have like a lot of kids You know 14 kids So he never Ate at his own house With his own children He always went Back to his Own house you know his mother's House Where he was eating the good shit And he left His wife and His kids With rice and bread. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I don't know their situation. I don't know why he's done that. Um, But I'm looking at my grandmother and what she's done. You know, the things that she shared with me. Uh, I know my dad gets his strength from her. Um, I believe that my dad was a mama's boy. Because when my dad got with my mom, uh, his family didn't want my mom for my dad. (laughs) But, um this shit is just so deep man it just it just goes way beyond what i'm saying and i could make like a series of this shit you know like it's just that much and that deep um i believe my dad is who he is because of my grandmother partially my granddad you know his his father you know when it comes to like a Um, like Hopi, Hopi men's doing the Hopi way, Hopi life, um, you know, things like that. Of course, you know, like that's, I believe all men are supposed to know that, you know, but when it comes to keeping going, you know, like you just do it, you know, you're, don't be lazy. Um, The joys of doing it. You know, enjoying what you do. I believe that comes from my grandmother. And I'm trying really hard not to cry. (laughs) Um, There was a time where um, I was mad at my grandmother because I just couldn't understand why they would throw birthday parties for my cousins, but... I would never receive a phone call, you know, which when I grew up even more like I understood, like I was like, okay, well, we don't know each other, (laughs) you know, um, she has a big family. She's not going to remember all of us. She's not going to have time for all of us because she's always in her home cooking and baking and doing everything that she's supposed to do, not just as a grandmother or a mother, but like I said, as a as a strong Hopi woman. You know, yes, the participating. Yes, the, you know, like doing the motions and the praying and all what's required of a Hopi lady. She's done it, you know. Um, and that shows me how very strong she is And I got to say, her daughters, which are my aunts and my cousins, I don't think I have to know their life, but I know they could not do what my grandmother has done. They are not and they have not because I look at my aunts. And their attitudes, the way they talk to people, the way they respond to people, the things that they do for people or the things they don't do for people, the things that they want and how they want it. Um, They're very aggressive. They're very, you know, um, they're very blunt, but they're very hurtful when they're being blunt. So these types of things I know. Is not from my grandmother. Because my grandmother does not act that way. So it's like. Okay. Where do you get your attitude from? And the only person I could really think about. Is my grandfather. That's their attitude. Um, it is said that. When we get angry. We get really angry. Um, and that part does come from. My grandfather. So. When Adi gets mad, <laughs> I get really mad. So um, it's the same thing with my brother. Like when my brother gets mad, he gets really mad. Um, our words can be very, very hurtful. But with me, I'm I choose my words very wisely. I don't say it unless I mean it. I think I'm more conscious. Of these words. You know what I mean? Like I watch what I say. My family doesn't. (laughs) Um, If they want to say that I'm wrong. I've heard things. And they've said things. To me. They've said things about me. About my parents. And. And. That's just who they are. They like to talk. um, They like to gossip. They like to be distraught. And in disbelief about things. And I find it quite ridiculous. Because. You don't know much about. What a person goes through. And why they have to. Choose the choices. That they choose. So. I always tell people there's all there's always two sides to a story and you're only hearing one, you know. Um, so I believe that doesn't come from my grandmother. So um, when I go back to this post. Um, People peering out their windows at my pregnant grandmother with, let's say, her ninth child. So, can you imagine that? Can you imagine? my grandmother pregnant with her ninth child walking by your window and i said this in my post i would have i would have said the same thing i would have been like damn she's pregnant again like that's her ninth child what you know like i would have and that's that's my guilt but it would be different I suppose it would have been different if I really knew her the situation but most importantly what kind of person she really was if I saw her participating in the ceremonies doing the praying you know just being the best baker you know making the best bread the best pies the best cookies um, Doing everything right Who says that The perfect strong Hopi lady Can't have nine kids And the only concern that I feel like I would have Is like damn girl You have a poor family You should probably stop having kids You know like that's like the only thing that I would say But she's doing it we really shouldn't have concern for someone that is actually really taking care of her kids in a poor state we don't know and we kind of really don't have to know you know what i'm saying it's like people that don't know where your income comes from of course, they're going to have like assumptions, but like really, we—that's still kind of like not our business. You know what I mean? Um, but people don't think the way that I do. We just respond by what we see, and that's not really fair, is it? Um. Let's see. Let's go down the paragraphs um okay i can only imagine her in her 20s and 30s doing this (sighs) having her children go down to the cliffs to see and sort through all the canned spam cheese and powdered milks that our people were too embarrassed to use that was a thing my people used to get, you know, cheese, canned meat, you know, flour, powdered milk for free. But everyone was too, they thought they were too good for that shit. So what did they do? Instead of giving it to, everybody knew my grand, my grandparents were poor as shit. Everybody knew that. So why throw it down the cliff instead of just taking those items to, to your neighbor, that might need it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, like people want you to succeed, but you can't succeed. Like you can't surpass them, so they'll keep you behind. They'll keep you at bay. And there's an ice cream truck. God damn it! I'm trying to be serious here. <laughs> Can you guys go out there and get me a vanilla cone? <laughs> Please. (laughs) Damn. God, I'm about to cry. I would love to just sit and have ice cream with my grandmother. I know she would have liked that. I'm sorry. I wish I was really, really close with her. And I missed it. But that's my thing, you know. People choose to treat people that way. They can't just really wholeheartedly just help somebody out their neighbors, you know? And we're supposed to be these caring people uplifting each other's and that wasn't happening even then. So what did they do? They take they took all that free shit and they just threw it down the cliff. My dad, his siblings, they all went down to the cliffs sorting through all of that. Picking up and taking, carrying all those heavy things. And these are like, you know, you're talking like bricks of cheese. You're talking like sacks of flour, sacks of powdered milk. And these are kids hauling and carrying all this weight up to the top of the mesa. Walking and carrying all these items back to their house. Again, can you imagine the relief that my grandmother has felt seeing all of that? That she can, that she actually can feed her children. No more worries for the rest of the week. Feeling so relaxed and so blessed. Who cares if it was rice? Who cares if it's just bread? That's where I'm disappointed in my granddad. He couldn't man up to eat alongside with all of his kids and love and appreciate his wife. That's what makes me angry. Um, let's see. I'm going down the paragraph very quickly. Okay. This actually touches bases on my family. It says, Her children's children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren all played their parts of disrespecting her. They all turned to addictions, being money hungry, taking advantage of her, her money in her house, elderly abuse, putting their children on her to watch and babysit when she should be done raising kids, leaving her with no food to eat while they went to work, leaving her with no food in her refrigerator. That's exactly what happened. <sighs> There was a time where, alright, so my aunt, she lives right in back of my grandmother's house. There was a fucking extension cord running from my grandmother's house to her house. Their electricity went out, so they were using my grandmother's electricity. And my aunt has a government job. Let that sink in. Where the fuck is your money going? Every time I came to visit my grandmother, she was always so weak. And I would come over and I'm like, I'll scramble you some eggs, you know, some protein, you know, I'll, you know, make you some um, toast or something. And when I looked into her fridge, there was nothing. And if there was things in it, it was rotten. So I'm sitting there cleaning out her refrigerator. All the things that was rotten I was throwing out. Um, I just couldn't believe it. Um, My grandmother's house was always spick and span. But there was like pots and pans everywhere. You know, dishes. Um, The table was just, you know, paper plates, paper bowls. You know, I'm just cleaning up the house. And she's feeling so embarrassed. She's like, Silla, you know, just leave it. It's okay. So-and-so can do it. And I'm just like, no, you cannot be in this. And she would just sit there embarrassed. And as soon as I was done cleaning, I'm just like, Siwa, it's not you. And I knew she was hurt. Tears were in her eyes. And I know she felt like all that was her fault. And I'm sure she felt that way because I'm sure our family makes her feel that it was her fault. (sighs) Um... After that day, I remember making her a chocolate banana protein shake. She loved it. (laughs) She had the biggest smile. Um, I was just so happy I could do that for her, you know. Um, Like I said just a while ago, I wish I could just share ice cream with her because it it is a treat, you know what I mean? But I know they never gave her ice cream because they felt it it was just out of her diet that the doctor made up for her, which I completely understand. But it was a protein shake. Like, she's getting, um, like, the nutrients and the vitamins and, you know, protein. So she, you know, keeps up her exercise, her physical therapy. And I just felt really happy doing that for her. And she was just slurping away. And I'm just like, you want me to keep bringing these? And she's just like, yeah, you know, keep bringing it. But, of course, when I went over the next day with a protein shake, like, I got scolded. And I'm like, it's a protein shake. It's not ice cream. It has bananas in it. It has, you know, fiber in it. It has, but they don't understand any of that. On the reservation, they don't. And I just felt like they were a part of making her a very, very weak person. They wouldn't allow fruit and veggie smoothies either. And I'm like, there's apples in there, raspberries, strawberries. um, There's celery. There's spinach, yogurt. They wouldn't allow it. They would take it away from her. (sighs) And the remarks that they used to make about her Oh, she's always mad You know, she's just angry You can't tell her nothing Um You know, just give it to her Like, even if she says no, just give it to her Like I think my grandmother was conscious enough to still make her own decisions If that's not what she wants Don't fucking force her You know what I mean? Um Especially, like, when her in-laws, you know, like, I'm talking, like, my cousin's wife or something, like, would say the same things that, you know, my aunts would say. I'm like, and who the fuck are you to even have a fucking opinion in this house? You know what I'm saying? Like, bitch. You're not supposed to be living here. Again, that's Hopi rule. Your husband, which is my cousin, should build you a house or buy you a house. You are not supposed to live in your husband's mom's mom's house. So who the fuck are you to say anything? I checked that bitch. I'm like, you don't get to say anything about my grandmother. She's putting a fucking roof over your head. Shut the fuck up. Ugh. Last paragraph. <sighs> But with all the respect and belief she had in being Hopi and doing what she could as a Hopi woman, she did it as a strong Hopi lady. Very, very true. Even though I'm a medicine girl, I was not born and raised on the reservation. I was born with I don't know if you want to call it a gift or ability or, you know. um, I believe that I'm more Hopi than most. Being Hopi, they say, is a hard but simple life. I believe that to be true. I always tell people, try to include Hopi in your everyday life. That's just as simple as being happy, you know, not making things so complicated. Um, be simple as you possibly can. And I, I keep saying this, you know, I'm, even though I said it already, I'm going to say it again and I'm going to say it again because that's all what it really is. You know, you look at my grandmother's life. She had a simple but hard life. And when I say hard life, it's not caring for fourteen kids. It really it's really not. It's just having enough to go around. And I don't wanna say hustling and oh don't want you got to deal because ugh, people are just so fucking stupid. Like they just they really amp that shit up like that's really the answer, but it's not. It's not. Doing what she had to do Wasn't on her mind to do it that way You know She didn't tell her kids to go to the cliffs and look for food They were just playing <laughs> Down the cliff And they're like holy shit Look how we, we found You know They just brought it home And she was happy just as simple as that just being just being happy that you got a block of cheese you got a sack of flour you know you can make enough bread to feed your kids and to make pies and to make bread and to make cookies to go out and sell everything It's always nice to receive money when you never when you hardly ever have it. Does it make her a selfish person? She has a fucking family. Going to rodeos, um hitchhiking with all her baked goods. Just again that relief. A relief that you're standing on the side of the road with your son with all your baked goods, the relief of someone stopping by to pick you up, to take you to where you need to go because you don't have a vehicle, the relief of, hey, I don't have money to give you for this ride, but I will give you one of my pies as payment. Can you accept it? And the relief of when you hear the person say, yeah, sure, I'll take a pie for payment. The relief of getting there safe, the relief of when you make a sale, the relief of you get orders for a hundred cookies or 50 loaves of bread, not saying it was that much, but I can only imagine it felt like that much to her. The relief of going back home and saying, I'm going to wake up real early in the morning and I'm going to start, I'm going to start making that person's order. We have money coming in. We're going to have a good meal. We're going to eat really good. That relief. See, my grandmother did all that for her 14 kids, and I mean, I've had aunts and uncles pass away that she had to bury, she had to bury some of her own kids, but taking my dad out of the equation of the ones that are still around, the rest of them have disrespected her. Up until she died when she passed away we didn't really know about it until like you know the next day um, nobody called us they only reached out to my brother through fucking Facebook And what's so crazy was I was living on the reservation last year. They had my number. They had my number. Two of my aunts and my cousin had my number. Why the fuck did they not call me? And they encouraged my dad and said, Oh, you know what, Ann? You don't have to come. You don't have to come up to the funeral. It could have been taken in any kind of context, but we felt like they were trying to keep us away by saying that. It just felt, well, I'm. my dad felt like they didn't need him. You know, they didn't, they didn't want him. And what I said in the beginning of this podcast was my dad was a mama's boy and they knew this and they kept him away intentionally. Yes, they gave us a choice. We had a choice, but you have to look at how hurt my dad was all these years they've been talking shit about us as a family because in the beginning they didn't want my mom for my dad and ever since facebook came out Some of the things that I post on Facebook, they were just so in disbelief that I would say something like that. But it's like, I have every right to say shit like that. Not only because Facebook is a platform, you can write whatever the fuck you want to write. And share what the fuck you want to share. But I'm a medicine person. I can be disappointed. It's my right. Which they should understand, but... They'd rather gossip about how mean they think I am. But I believe that my dad is this way because of his mom. He saw my mom, or my mom, (laughs) excuse me. He saw his mom struggle. And I think that's why my dad busts his ass when we were born. My dad gave us everything. Because of my dad, I always had the sharpest clothes. (laughs) I had like two beepers. I had like a cell phone. I had like the hot, like I had the newest kicks. Like I had the newest album that came out. You know what I'm saying? Like in music and I had, like, the biggest, the most baddest, the most hardest stereo system in my bedroom. You know, I had a a queen-size bed when I was, like, seven years old. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had my own telephone line. Everything that I wanted, I got. You know what I'm saying? But... Don't forget that my dad has also taught me that if you want something, you gotta work really hard for it. It's like, yeah, my dad got me those beepers, but guess who had to pay the bills? (laughs) I did. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'll buy you these clothes, but you gotta keep up the chores. Like, my dad, he was the provider. He did take care of us. Because he always told us growing up, I don't ever want to tell you guys no because I know what it's like not to have clothes. My dad would tell us that every time he got a rip in his pants or his shirt or his socks or his underwear, his mom taught him how to sew. So my dad said that every time he went to school, he got teased because his clothes were sewn or his clothes had holes in it. That's why my dad is like, you guys are never going to be without. I just feel like, like my aunts and my uncles, yeah, they all went through it too as kids, problems and whatnot. But just look at how they are now. Is that why you're such a snot nose? Is because you didn't have long time ago as a kid, but now you have. Now you have it now, and you just think you can treat and talk to people in this manner. My dad is very humble. I don't see that in them. It just blows my fucking mind that how can you guys grow up in the same household and you're this way? I don't understand this. But I guess it's just one of those things that you're able to do things the way you want to as soon as you turn eighteen or twenty one, like no one can tell you no, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Is that does that is that where that comes from? How is it that that's how you are and <laughs> this is how my dad is? That shit just blows my fucking mind. But if they choose to be that way, fine. But my grandmother did not deserve that. And they've done that to her. After everything that she has done for you guys as a kid, your whole upbringing. You're the reason why you're alive today. What I have to say right now is every family is different. I realize that. But if you could fix and mend your relationship with your mother, do it. Just do it. I know there are people that say, oh, we just don't talk about those things. We just don't, you know, we could say, I love you. Through texting and things like that. But in person like we just can't do it. Okay so what you're saying is you guys are all cowards. (laughs) That's what it is. How is it that like you are not strong people. If you cannot say it to their face. Without walking away. Without covering up your face. Or feeling awkward. What's so awkward about it? You love your mom. And she loves you. I just don't see what the hold up is. I don't understand this awkwardness. You guys are putting that on. It's an act. You know, I can't really tell you guys how to be good kids to your mom. I cannot... Teach you how to be a good mom. You got to be open to this shit. You got to be real with your feelings. If you want to be that type of family, and there's nothing wrong with being that type of family, be that family. You know, know them, get to know them. Ask them questions. You know, that's that's something that I shared or that she, my grandmother, she shared with me. I had no idea she used to steal eggs and chickens as a little girl and her ripping her dress and her laughing about it. Now, like, I bet she felt like, damn, that was so crazy. Like, and she remembers it. Get to know who they are before they... I don't want to believe that they'll lose their memory or their thought or their decision-making and all of this, but get to know them. Laugh with them. Memorize with them. Like, oh, what did your dress look like? Like, oh, did you ever get caught? How many eggs did you take? When you stole chickens, did you keep them as pets? What did you name them? What was the most funniest thing that made you laugh about this? Did your neighbor know that you took their chickens? <laughs> you know, like ask them things. People like to talk about themselves whether they say so or not. but Or whether they say they don't, but they really do, you know. Her house was always full and that was like the only like my only chance to for it just to be me and her and her telling me about her. But that's our mothers and our families. And this was part one. I really do hope that this podcast only encourages you to want to get to know your mother or to be a better mother, that it's okay to love, share, and express. It's okay to fix it. It's not too late to fix things. Make an effort. Be patient. Want I want you to want this. For you, your mother, your family. Just, just know. Just know her. Just love her. This isn't just your mother, but this is, you know, if you have a sister that's a mother or an aunt or your grandmother... You know, all women that have children, if you're a mother, you know, this is really important. Don't, don't hold that. Don't put it on a back burner. Yeah, you can be a mother, but be a good mother. And that is all I have for... This podcast of Mothers and Our Families Part 1. I plan on making Part 2 very, very shortly. And in Part 2, I'm going to be talking about my aunt. Which is my mother's sister. And she also passed away last year in the month of August 2018. So I hope you guys will stay tuned for that. And don't forget to add, rate, comment, subscribe, follow, and share. Until part two. Peace.